I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We've partnered with the Brain Chimmer Charity, helping to raise awareness and help find a cure. Thanks to our partnership, we've been able to create a short series of special podcasts uncovering those within the motorsport community who have been affected by those devastating diagnoses. You can hear those stories and more, including the Williams F1 team's planning director, Richard Jones right now on your chosen podcast player. The charity work all year round to help develop research and raise awareness and if you're looking to challenge yourself this new year, why not sign up to the Brain Tumor Charity's Brain Power Challenge? Simply choose a challenge that will boost your brain health from meditation to 10k runs to mega Sudoku and set your challenge to either silver, gold or platinum difficulty level. Every penny you raise will be spent on the charity's medical research. £250 covers the cost of one day of world-class medical research into kinder and better treatments for brain tumours which really does make a difference follow the brain tumour charity on social media to learn more and to sign up boost your brain today to boost other brains tomorrow because a cure can't wait this podcast is brought to you by Rodin Cars. Based in New Zealand, but with a new HQ open in Donington Park in the UK, with the Rodin FZ, you have the keys to experience a whole new level of driving performance. A supercar like no other, giving you the chance to feel pure driving pleasure. Designed for easy maintenance, you could own the F1 lifestyle and strive for that perfect lap time with the Rodin FZ. There's plenty of purchasing options, including after-sale partnership, where your FZ is looked after on and off track by an official formula racing team storage and exclusive track access to rodin's very own circuit in new zealand with rodin and the rodin fz you don't just drive a car you experience the performance of an open wheel high performance supercar for more information on rodin and how you can get involved visit rodin-cars.com Hello, my name is Tim Sylvie, and today we're joined by a man who hails from Kidderminster in Worcestershire. And did you know, Harry Benjamin, that witches were executed in Worcester? Ursula Corbett of Defford was burnt as a witch in Worcester on the 14th of March, 1661, after being accused of poisoning her husband after only three weeks of marriage. And it's not the only known case of witches in the area. Around the same time, a woman known only as Widow Robinson, her two daughters, and a man, all from Kidderminster, were put through the barbarous trial by water. They were flung into the Severn, where, and I quote, they would not sink but soared aloft, which was according to a diary entry by a local named Henry Townsend. He also said in his entry, and I quote again, the man had five teats, the mother three, the eldest daughter had one, and when they went to search the woman, none were visible. <laughs> one advised them to lay them on their backs and keep open their mouths, and they would appear, and so they presently appeared in sight. What do you make of that? I mean, uh, well, that's one way to find out if uh, you're a witch or not, isn't it? Uh, I, 
surely, wait, well, I suppose if they did levitate, then yeah, that is, that is kind yeah. of witchly. But I never got like, uh, were people just, uh, what was it all about? You chuck people into a, a river or whatever, and then, oh, if you can survive that, you're a witch. Yeah, basically. Like, well, people can swim, can't they? So, <laughs> good point, well made. Well, could, hey, could maybe they, they do time. live among us yeah. still. Yeah. Maybe they do. Yeah, quite possibly. How's things with you anyway? Are you looking forward to uh, our unusual podcast location this weekend? Yes, well, we're going to um, Norwich. We've been invited, haven't we, to Norwich Football Club. My, I call it hometown. It's not. I spent three years there studying. But, um, and I don't really, I shouldn't say this, I don't really like football, but I like it if I'm invited. Um, so, <laughs> so I'll be liking it there. So we're doing a very special podcast there. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Also, we should talk about actually quickly that we've got this whole new Discord thing set oh, up, yeah, which yeah. we need to encourage people to join. Uh, we're, we're delving into that world. And if you've got Discord, which I didn't, but now I do, um, Search the Motormouth for our Discord. Um, I'm still working on how to use it, but we've got Gimmy now, who's part of the team, who is in charge of all that stuff, and she knows what she's doing. Yeah, um, I have no idea. I mean, it's it's slightly blown my mind all of this Discord stuff. Um, we we we've taken on a um, a young lady called uh, Imi, and she set it up, and uh, it it just seems to be a place where anyone can come and chat. Um, about certain topics in motorsport, um, there's different servers. I think that's what you call them. It's got Reddit vibes. I yeah, feel like. yeah, it, yeah. But it's loads of people but, there already. I mean, there's people chatting right now about all sorts of stuff in you know touring cars and F1 and car yeah, it's launches. Great. It's, it's it's crazy. So yeah, go, come and search for us. There's there's a link if you go to our Instagram, click on the link. Um, there is a link tree there, and you can find the Discord channel via a link in there. Come and join us and, and chat to, to to us and with other other motorsport fans about whatever takes you fancy. Um, right, well, shall we get on with it and introduce today's guest? I think so, let's do it. So today we're joined by BTCC driver Daniel Rowbottom. Daniel started in karts age eight, where he won a whole load of championships in the UK and Europe. He moved up to race, according to his website, in pretty much anything he could get his hands on for a few years. Um, he eventually found himself in British Touring Car Undercard in the Clio Cup from 2016 to 2018, and his strong performances meant a full British Touring Car call-up in 2019 to reach the top of British Chin Top Racing, and it's where we find him to this very day. We're here to learn about his life, career, thoughts and opinions. Daniel, a very warm welcome to the Motormouth Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, just putting it out there, I don't understand Discord either. I've been okay. trying to use it for six years because I use it for some reason. Yeah. And I can't, it just, it blows my mind. Well, there's, there's I mean, a big uh, sim racing community on Discord. Oh, massive. Um, it's huge. It's huge. But it's just, um, I just keep getting invites for investing in crypto on it. And I'm not oh, quite no. sure whether, I mean, I'm not going to, obviously, because I don't know what I'm doing. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit it's a bit bizarre. But uh, it is a really good, there's a really good community on there once you know how to navigate it. But I yeah. don't, six years later. So there we go. No, no. Oh, well, that's encouraging. Don't bring up crypto yeah. because Tim will then start talking uh, endlessly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then if you say the word NFT, then, he, then he's off on one as well. Non-fungible um, tokens. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about racing and you, Daniel. Yes. Thank you for joining us as well. Where, whereabouts are you uh, dialing in from this morning? I'm actually in my kitchen. I was going to try and make the effort to get to my office, but it's not a very, um, it's not it's not a, a thorn of trophies or anything. It's just a little office in the corner of a workshop in a garage <laughs> in Kidderminster. So I, I thought best just to stay at home this morning to do this. So I'm in my kitchen. So it's very nice. Uh, have oh, you, very have nice. you uh, met any witches in Kidderminster? Probably, if I'm honest with you. It is a <laughs> bit like that. Um, when you were recalling the tale of five and six nipples, that's present day, I think. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, it's uh, no, it's good. It's 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 a uh, yeah. I've, I've obviously 
sort of um, grew up just outside of Kidderminster, but I feel it's sort of my uh, natural habitat, really. Um, West Ham played on Saturday, would you mm. believe, played the Harriers. Wow. The boys did really, really well. Did lose in the end 2-1, but um, it was actually really impressive. I mean, I'm not a football guy at all. I don't, I can't, I can't even bring myself to watch it, but I did watch that. And uh, for a small town team, they did, uh, they did really well. So it was quite impressive. It was great. Oh, very nice. Well, go on then. Let's let's delve back um, right to the beginning then, shall we? Mm. And take us back to your early life and, and what was going on, what your childhood was like in terms of, you know, was there racing around you in the family? What was it that got you, you know, interested in, in getting into anything with a, a four wheels and going fast? Um, yeah, I mean, to answer the question, motorsport was in my family. It was always two-wheeled stuff. So um, starting really with my dad and my uncle, they raced motocross or scrambling as it was back then, you know, back in the day. Um, so, uh, and then my, my grandfather, bless him, he's no longer with us, but he was quite active in the AMCA. I think he was a director at one point, which is like the Amateur Motocross Association. So a bit like the MSA, but for amateurs okay. on motocross. Um, so yeah, they were massive, massive, massive two-wheel people, you know, my whole family, um, and I suppose from pretty much the age I could walk, I was messing around on a bike of some description, you know, a little 50cc or something or another. Um, and I just got bitten hard by the bug, you know. I just, it wasn't really, it didn't really have to be anything in particular. I just liked to go quick. You know, speed was, speed was it for me. And it still is. Um, so started off on bikes, but probably through pressure from my mum, uh, dad saw fit. My dad was really lucky. He he got he did quite well in his career. I mean, he was at one point he was a, a rider for Kawasaki GB oh. in in the amateur series. So he was you know he was pretty good, and he was very lucky in the sense he only had one bad bad shunt on a bike, one bad brake, which is quite a rarity in in, yeah. in motocross. You know, it's not really it's not really how bad was your brake, it's how many bad ones have you had. I think I feel you know I've still got family and friends that do it, and they can't really walk, to be honest with you. They can't walk straight. They're plated. They got, you know, it's, it's quite, it's a funny day out anyway when we all get together. So that's by the bike. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so from pressure from my mum, dad got me a, a cart, an off-road, just like an off-road cart um, when I was about four, I think. Um, I was really short as a, as a kid, so we had to modify everything. So like the pedals had extension bars and the steering wheel, it was a bit of an epic thing. But yeah, I mean, I hacked around the fields, um, locally just borrowed local farmers fields and stuff for a couple of years and then they got me a proper what you call msa legible cart rac back then that's how old i am but anyway uh the uh when i was about six so did a couple of years of karting uh ran a local circuit which just interesting fact was at the time may still be owned by pete davis Chaz davis well to by rider his father yeah. in the circuit so um Chaz and i sort of spent quite a lot of time together when we were kids um just messing around, pissing about at the, at the go-kart track and uh, sort of learnt my craft there, really. So, did, uh, did, did your dad know what he was letting himself in for from a financial perspective? I mean, how are you funding things back then? It's, it's not a yeah, cheap thing. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think so. He probably did because, you know, even though motocross is so cheap in comparison, um, it's still motorsport, right? So you always need the best shock or the best tire or, you know, you spend money. So he knew that there was going to be a financial problem. <laughs> um, him and him and mum uh, just ran a, you know, they run a small garage in Kidderminster. We still do. You know, I, I, when I've got the time, I still try and get there as much as I can. Um, I haven't really wielded a spanner though for a while, so I'm a bit <laughs> out of practice. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I think they did. Um Early, early karting was obviously funded by mum and dad. Um, 
my mum, bless her, she's a bit of a nerd. She's got it. I, I need to dig it out, really, because I want to have a look through it. But she kept a record of pretty much my first five years of everything, everything they spent. And my sort of fourth year in karting was when we won the British Championship. And we did it as like me, mum and dad in the back of a van. We rented some morning space of a guy called Darren Gibbs, who was really, really good in, in go-karts at the time. Um, and I think we spent... 8,300 quid to win our first British Championship in a season. Well, that's so, amazing because you, know, you, you hear these stories, don't yeah. you? A lot of people say, oh, well, you need, you're going to need 100, 150 grand to compete. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. You do now. You do now. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that, was, that was, I think, probably my generation of Carter. I finished in 05. Um, and we were still just about doing it in the UK as, as sort of lad and dad in the van. And then we were, we were working with, the manufacturers or the importers or the distributors of, of the go-karts, whatever particular manufacturer we're with. We worked with them, so we used their all-in space, et cetera. Um, but really, 05, 06 was probably the last generation of drivers, I, I think, looking back at it now, that that worked like that, you know, pretty soon. I mean, I wouldn't do it now. You know, I, I've got, you know, we've got a, my wife and I, we've got a 12-month-old baby girl, 13 months now, and, uh, if she wants to go karting, there'll be a problem because I, you know, I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that I'd want. I wouldn't go through what my parents went through. I can absolutely tell you that point blank. I'm too selfish. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So it's. it's I mean, um, it's a lot, isn't it? I, I took my six-year-old karting for the third time at Wilton Mill on uh, mm-hmm. the weekend, and and well, he, uh, it's the first thing he's really sort of. He's got a terrible concentration, you know. It doesn't focus on anything. Right. And when he was being taken through the safety briefing, he, I couldn't believe it. He sat there and listened. And he okay. went out for his first session and he was spinning on one corner and they told, told him, take the corner wider, do it like this. And he listened and he did it. And I was really impressed. I was thinking, actually, he's, well, I have something here. But then in the back of my head, I'm thinking, but I just can't afford this life. Like, if this is, yeah. I just can't do it. It's such a hard, yeah. unless you've got incredibly deep pockets, it's not really a viable option anymore, is it? I, well, I think the problem is people get... Uh... I mean, I'm going to, I'll probably get blasted up for this, but the karting fraternity want to keep the kids in karting, right? Because it doesn't pay them for them to go off to cars. So you do get spun a line in go-karts by a lot of the high-end teams. Oh, you need to do this. And little Johnny needs, you need to make sure he does this class and then this class and this class. And that's going to be 300 grand by the time he's 12. And then by the time he's 16, that's going to be another three, you know, and really having been there and done that, and what you carry over into car racing, if you wanted a car career, you only really need the racecraft. You know, you just need to learn how to mix and dice and to and to get stuck in. And you know, once you've learned that, driving a, a go kart compared to a race car, it bears no relevance really. You know, once you've learned the basics. So I always say to people, you know, people ask me a lot of the time. I'm like, right, well, if 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 the kid wants to go car racing, just do the bare minimum. You know, try and do a British Championship, but just do it to experience it. Don't do it with any else. Unless you've got the money to go with a team, just literally turn up in the back of a sprinter van with your parents and or with your son or daughter and just go and do it and enjoy it. I think that's rewarding. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that karting does teach children, it certainly taught me a lot of discipline, you know? So all of my friends from about 12 years old were obviously hanging out at night or meeting up, going to parties on weekends, you know, secondary school. I don't, I don't think I attended in five years one party. No, in fact, I didn't because I was either on a Friday night going karting or on a Saturday night I was karting or, you know, or even in when, the later years when it was we were racing in Europe, 
I think my last year of school when I was doing my GCSE was only there for two days a week, three days a week in the very last end of it because we were just carting, carting, carting. But it, it meant that my mum and dad were always really like, if your grades slip, we ain't do, you're not going carting. So it teaches you good discipline. You know, I think as a sport for the kids to get into, it's incredibly rewarding, you know. Um, but I do think you can you can do it. You know, you could just literally go and get yourself a little van, get yourself a, I'm going to say, and I'm a bit out of touch with carting because I've not really paid much attention, but the equivalent of whatever road tax max was when I was carting, yeah. um, go and get one of those. And just go and pan around and in, and just enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, no pressure. Enjoy it. And then if 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 there comes an opportunity and the kids are good and talented and quick, you'll soon know because the people with the money, i.e., the teams that that have got space for not paying drivers, will soon be knocking on the door, going, "Oh, actually, we'll have him in the awning." And I'll tell you what, give me a drink a weekend, and yeah. do you know what I mean? So it's. It, it, it's it's you know, at the end of the day it's a business um, and there are some very very good people in karting that, that are very very good at developing really really good go-kart drivers but therein therein lies the problem in that last bit go-kart drivers yeah. you know if you want to be a factory go-kart driver and a works driver and earn a I mean people are salaried you know when I was karting people paid good money for go-karts you know and I think had I have pushed a bit harder I think I could have got myself into that position but I always wanted to go car racing. So it was never a, you know, it was never a question for me of do I stay here and, and earn some money? Now I'm nearly 33. I should have stayed <laughs> some money. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, at the time it was, that was the focus. So I think, I think it's, it's a, it's a real shame. Um, I still, I'm still in touch with some of the old officials that were, you know, officials when I was carting and, you know, it's a different generation now. Um, mm but it's still massively rewarding. It's still the thing that you have to be seen to be, to do if you want a career in motorsport, you know? Um, so, but there's more, you know, there's more and more way to skin a cat. So I always say to people, just go and enjoy it. Don't take a pressured approach because if nothing else, if you go on a race weekend and you get beat, that teaches kids lessons as well. Do you know what I mean? So um, it teaches you, you know, and, and also if you're really, really hungry, you'll find a way. You know, and that's that's the way I look at karting now. You know, yeah, so. I don't I don't think we've ever spoken like that in depthly about sort of the, the trials and tribulations of karting before. It's, it's quite fascinating. I mean, we all know you know money is spiraling out of control year on year on year. But to actually, you know, hear sort of what the advice you'd give, but also what it was like when you were you were doing it, and the drastic differences. It is you know, it's it's fascinating and worrying at the same time, isn't it? Because where do you, where, where does the next generation of talent come from? I suppose, well, and you've got esports, which is seeing a sort of another way in, isn't it, at the moment? But that's still sort of building up to pace, I would say. I think it's, you know, I was really, really, really lucky in cart because you know, although my mum and dad funded our first, they funded my cadet years, which mm. is sort of you know the, the baby class. Um, but because we were successful and we won some championships, from that point in, we were all, I was always on some sort of um, chassis deal, either with the distributor or directly with the manufacturer. So the go-karts and the spares didn't cost anything at all, not a penny, um, from the age of about 13 till I finished 16, 17. Um, so all the kit was free. The engines, we were on a deal for most of those seasons as well. So we didn't pay for engines. So really in the last few years, we were, we were only really paying for entry fees and tyres. But that was still, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, I remember turning up my last year to the British Championship and 
you know, on a Friday, my dad would look at me and go, look, I can't, you can't have any tires today. I haven't got 150 quid. Do you know what I mean? So it was still tight. It was still really, really tight. But, you know, we still won championships. So it didn't really make any difference. It always it does is in here. So a lot of the time, and it's the same as now, you know, in BTCC, or especially Clear Cup in the support championship, you know, we would, in my last year, at points, we'd just throw a pair of fronts on in testing. We weren't even going to go and spin a lap on them, but everyone else goes, oh my God, Robot's had a new pair of tyres. Yeah. I'm, I'm knackered. Do you know what I mean? And it, it did. All we were doing was scrubbing them to go on the back for the next race, for example. You know. So, but it's psychologically. Yeah. So it, it was still tough. You know. It was. It was. You know. There were many occasions where we were like, "Well, we can't have tyres today, so we'll just have to stick with what we got." But then you know, in qualifying, come tomorrow, you'll have new tyres, so it'll be quicker. Do you know what I mean? So it was. It. It's six one and a half dozen the other, but now, Christ, it's it's. You know, I've heard I've heard that there are teams out there now vetting customers so you you physically your parents fill out like an application form um that says yes i have x amount of money and this is what i do and blah 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 and then you know let's say they have 50 entries they'll pick the 20 that they want and you just think this is gone but it's it's mental i mean mean, when you when i was at wilton at the the weekend um it was the sunday and it was absolutely packed um young kids with their parents um and if you think that's replicated up and down the country in different carts, cart yeah. you know, it's it's such a popular pastime still. Actually, one thing that was interesting that I did notice was how many girls there were. There was there were yeah. loads of young girls, you know, sort of six, seven, eight years old, um, fully, you know, in the, all the whole kit with their branding <laughs> and sponsors all over them. Really good to see. I yeah. mean, it, it was it was a really um, impressive um, day that they had going on there. But let's um, let's just push on from karting for a second because you, yeah, like I course. said, like I said in the intro. Um, there was a period between, um, well, when you finished karting, I suppose, uh, up until about 2015, where um, you say yourself, you basically raced anything you could afford. What, what were you yeah. racing in at that period? What, what were some of the um, the cars that you took part in? And I suppose it, it, it did what it did do was allow you time to really learn your craft. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> it was as simple as whatever we could afford, you know. <laughs> so uh, my last year of karting, we won a former BMW scholarship. Um, place but we couldn't go through it because it was match funding so that didn't work um, so my first year of car racing was we were going to go single seaters didn't have the budget so then we jumped over and we did a, the Radical Championship back in the day they had a smaller they still have the car now it's called an SR1 now but they had an SR4 and an SR3 SR4 was slightly smaller quite a hard little car to drive because um, it was quite short and quite narrow so very very it moved around a lot Um they had a really good championship back in you know back in 06 called the Bi-Giro series, which was sort of short sprint races. There was probably 30 cars on the grid. Um, and I remember turning up to Snetterton, and this is the problem with karting, though. It it, it it leaves, you know, we just won like everything that you could possibly win at that in that previous year. And uh I turned up and looked at the entry list and thought, never heard any of these blokes. I'll be right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I t- and I was 17 years old and I got my ass kicked hard. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and what it what it taught me was, you know, just because these guys you've not heard of them, they've raced radicals all their life. That's all they've ever raced. So actually, they're pretty effing good in a radical. Do you know what I mean? So they know what they're doing. Um, and yeah, so it took it took probably until the mid season to win a race. And once we got some pace behind us, that was great. Um, we then had a year of just doing the odd radical race in 07, just because we didn't have a budget for a full year. So I think we did three races. Um, and then in 08, we we took the plunge and I probably realised, you know, I was I was 18, 19 in 2008. So um, 
yeah, eighteen, yeah, nineteen, and uh, we realised I wasn't going to be a Formula One driver. Right, that was the that was the thing. So, what was like, that right, the initial? Was that the initial sort of hope and yeah, aspiration? Hundred percent. Because when you're karting, that's all you're focused on. You know, you're only interested in Formula One, or I certainly was. I mean, there are a few drivers that are a bit more switched on and they're a bit more realistic and go, well, I go do GTs or Le Mans or, or but but you know, for me, but but again, you're in this you're in this world where you've been sold this dream. Mm. Oh, you know, this is what Senna did and this is how Schumacher did it and this is da, da, da. and they didn't tell you that you know the Senna family were pretty pretty well healed and the Schumacher family weren't so well healed, but he had a very good manager that managed. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. just they don't tell you that. They don't tell you the full story. They just tell you the they filter the bits that you need yeah. to know. So anyway, but did you um, did you when when you had that realization? Was it like oh I, I can't believe, I have to accept now that I'm actually not going to race in Formula One? Um, not really, no, because I just wanted to race. You know, um, I just wanted to have a career racing cars. Um, and you know, I didn't really. You know, I've never, as I said at the start, I'm, my fascination is speed. I'm not so bothered about whether it's on a motorbike or a car or a lawnmower or you know whatever. Um, I'll race anything with wheels, really, as long as you've got an engine, an internal combustion one. Uh, not an electric uh, one. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. But uh, sort of. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. So when yeah, I don't think I did. I think obviously I was disappointed. You know, I was disappointed to think, well, this isn't going to happen for me. But then there's there's a bigger world out there. So we just got stuck in. So we did say at Cooper Cup in 08, which supported the BTCC. Because that was, you know, I'd sort of shifted focus and gone, right, let's go and do, let's go and aim for British Touring Car. Let's do that. Um, I can get into, like at the time, if you'd have been in Touring Car in your early 20s, I think the only guy doing it then was like Tom Chilton. You know, I think he was in at 17 in like the early 2000s. So it was, it was still considered at the time for me, I feel, you know, touring car was always something that you went to if you if your other career didn't make it. Do you know what I mean? So it was drivers were in their later 20s, early mm. 30s when they got, oh, I can't do single seaters or this isn't going to work. Or that's how it was always portrayed to me when I was younger. Um, so I thought, well, if I get in there early, then, you know, there could be a good good career there. So did say at Cooper Cup in 08, hard year. We ran that literally at my mum, my dad, a couple of enthusiastic helpers at the back of a sprinter van and a, and a race shuttle. Um I think we finished sixth overall. It was all right. It wasn't a bad year, but it was hard, really hard. I'd never done front wheel drive. Didn't even consider that it would be any different to driving a rear wheel drive car. Um, and obviously, we'd never engineered anything with the power going to the wrong end either. So we didn't have really a clue what we were doing um, in terms of setting it up. So it was a hard year, mm. hard year. But yeah, at the end of that year, say at UK, um, well, if you remember, 08 was the was the big big credit crunch, the recession. So Sert UK pulled out a BTCC. They pulled their support for Sert Cooper Cup. So it meant that all this money we'd invested as a family in the car and it, it just was worth, you know, I think we'd spent 60, 70 grand in kit in the February and in the October we sold for about 28 grand. Oh, you know what I mean? Painful. It was just like ridiculous. So so that really, yeah, that, that put pain to anything really. And I suppose between then and... Between then and 2015, I did maybe a couple of races in single seaters in Monoposto, just because someone asked me to go and drive the car. Um, we tried to do something in the US, but it just I couldn't get the funding. But again, single seater. So there was an opportunity for a little while where I saw a path forward in single seaters, but just because I'd met a few guys that were part of a bit of a buying consortium, a car buying consortium from from Asia, uh, and it looked for a while like they were going to help with my career. Um, you know, so probably when I was 22, we were sat down with um, like Nino Judge from Caterham F1, Young Drivers Academy and all sorts of stuff. So there was some serious, pretty big meetings going on. And I think in 20, 
2011, you know, one of these guys in this consortium flew into Monaco to discuss, you know, my my potential GP3C to not. So it was it got pretty close um, and fell over the last hurdle. So it was like, you know, again, it's just like, right, okay, back to the drawing board. A quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsor, Rodin Cars. Rodin are a bespoke formula-style supercar manufacturer based in New Zealand. With their vehicle offering, this is the only place where you can truly live the F1 lifestyle. With the easy-to-run, easy-to-maintain, and even... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Easier to drive road in FZ, you can live the dream of hunting down those final tenths of lap time whilst being fully supported by the team at Rodin who will provide you with after-sale care, storage options, exclusive use of their incredible track in New Zealand and, courtesy of Formula Racing Team High Tech Grand Prix, will run, set up and maintain your vehicle on and off the track. The Rodin FZ is a vehicle like no other, perfect for any true car aficionado in search for that elite performance. To find out more, head to roadin-cars.com. Um, the end of 2013, I'd not been racing for five or six years, so I just had enough. So I thought, right, sod it. I'm just going to go and buy a Clio Cup car. I've got no way, but I've got no way of paying for it. I'm just going to do it. So we went and financed one, one of the new, the new shape ones, the, the, the Gen 4 cars. Um, so we were one of the first to have this new Gen 4 delivered. And then uh, I can't really remember what happened. One of the sponsors <laughs> that we had... Blur. Yeah, it's all a blur. It's just it's just rolled into it's just rolled into it. It's been a yeah, it's been a tale of tale of interest. Um, I think one of the guys that had pledged a decent amount of money pulled out on us about about this time actually early mid Feb. Um, and with the problem with Toka as a platform is it's all nose heavy, you know. And this is the problem that you have funding a support championship or a BTC program. You know, everything because we do the first half of the season pretty much before June. It's it's moved a little bit since COVID. It's a bit later now, but pre-COVID, it was always everything was like you started the first week or second week of April, and round five was the first weekend of June. So you had half a season in about six weeks. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's so nose heavy that if your clear budget was a hundred grand, you needed sixty grand before the end of March. So you know, difficult because you, you you know so it's very difficult. So um, so this guy that was that was going to put in the the, the bigger chunk um, pulled out mid Feb. So I was like, oh Christ, I, I just can't. I can't risk going on credit cards like we've done previously. I can't do it. So I'm going to we'll sell the car, which we did. It was easy to sell because it was in demand at the time. It was a new car. Um, we had one and others didn't. So that was fine. And probably that point, that was early 14. I just thought, you know what? I, I'm done. You know, I can't be, I can't be doing oh. with it because you build yourself up every year. Yeah. You know, the, the, you, you, it's very difficult mentally. It's very hard. Um, and then every time there was like a bang and then you come back down and it was build yourself and then bang again. So it was just, it was just like being on a roller coaster really that never ended. So at the end of 14 or at the start of 14, once it happened, I was like, no, I'm, I'm done. I've had enough. Sod it. I'm not going to do that. My wife, well, she was my girlfriend then, but we were living in a converted garage of my mum and dad's house because we were trying to keep all that cost down. And I was like, I can't really do this to her anymore. We need to buy a house. So I just, I just went fully into normal life. We brought a house in, in 2014 and, and just sort of walked away from it really. Um, 
And then one fateful day in the middle of fifth, well, end of 14, early 15, I flicked the TV on and I was watching the Clare Cup race and I thought, oh, I've got to have another go at this. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we did a couple of Lotus Cup UK races in 15 um, because we managed to acquire a car. We were, the, the garage was doing quite a bit of work within Lotuses at that point. So we'd, we'd sort of amalgamated the business to be a bit of a Lotus specialist. So we were working on a lot of road cars, um, knew a few people in the business. So managed to lay hands on a car, did a few Lotus races, and then I had the bug back firmly. You know, we, we won a few, which was nice. Um, uh, but, you know, again, and this isn't derogatory, but it, because it was club racing, I wasn't really that, you know, th- there was no long term in it. So I was like, um, and we had a small sponsor that were funding it, which was which was which was okay. Um, and then you know we I had to go to the sponsor at the end of the year and say, look, I've got to go back to Toka, otherwise I'm you know I appreciate what you've done, but um, I'm um, I'm not interested in just doing club racing. So um, they were like, okay, just go and do Clear Cup then, which I thought was too good to be true, and it ended up being too good to be true. Oh. Yeah, 20, 2016. It's, it is. It's like being on roller coasters. It's, it's, so, it's probably boring for people to listen, but um, 2016, we we started off. We had this great new sponsor that was were seen in motorsport for the first time. Um, we did the first half of the year, uh, got married the Thursday before Croft. But the problem with all that was um, I hadn't been paid a penny by the sponsor, not a single penny. So I'd literally, I'd let, I'd let my uh, my enthusiasm get the better of me. So. Between me and dad, we had a variety of different colored MasterCards. Um, we had a pink one, a blue one, a green one. We had many. And uh, we were just doing it just like, well, it'll be all right. They'll pay the money. And we got, and it was it was only really after the wedding that I was on I was on honeymoon and I had people ringing me from Renault Sport UK because the bills hadn't been paid. I had oh, done what chasing me for money. And I'm like, this can't continue. So, um, so I rang the guys and I was like, look, you've got to pay me some money now. And they had this whole spiel about, because it was Brexit at the time, our Brexit's it's messing with our cash flow and did it a couple of months later. So I pulled out the championship because I was like, well, I can't continue the way I am. So until you pay me some money, that couple of months went past. So that would have been early, early mid June, um, end of August, still out of the penny. So I rang them one day and they were like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to pay. Oh my God. Um, so, you know, I'm sat there now with a, with a car on lease that I can't afford. And, uh, and about 50, 60 grand in, in, in credit card debt. So I'm like, right, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in trouble here. I've missed a bit of a chunk to the story because at the start of that year, these, these, these guys from, from a company called Cataclean approached me at the Autosport show because they were adamant that this said sponsor had, um, had utilised their patent illegally to copy their product. At the time at the Autosport show, I didn't know anything about the story. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry, but... I just want to go racing and they've said they're going to pay for it. And and I remember, I mean, it's Ross, he's, he's a very close friend of mine now, obviously. Um, I remember him saying, just be careful because they'll rip you off. And you, young, enthusiastic, I was like, oh, okay, I'll take that on board. Thanks very much, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so at the end of August, when they said they weren't going to pay, I remember going into the office one day, I was really angry, obviously. And uh, I sort of ripped my drawer open and I, Ross gave me a business card at the show and I thought, I've got to find that card. I found this guy's number. And I rang him and and... And I said, hi, Ross, it's Dan Robot. And he was like, who? I went, oh, I'm the guy that declared. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Why are you ringing me? He said, actually, before you tell me, I've noticed you haven't done the last couple of races. Is that because you've not been paid? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, right, come and see me then. Um, so I did. 
And as they say, the rest is history, yeah. you know. So Ross Ross stepped in um, to, I think, initially out of, you know, obviously there was a big legal battle going on, which which I helped, um, which I, I tried to help uh, with what I knew, you know, information I had. I, I obviously passed that over because it was a benefit to Cataclean. And, and Ross um, very kindly offered to be title sponsor for the, for the following season. I think originally he did it initially out of out of a bit of a you know up yours to these other yeah. these other guys, yeah. but very very fortunately for me, and very slowly but surely that they recognised after each clear cup event we did in seventeen that their sales figures and helpers went up you know week weekend after weekend. Um, so yeah, so they realised there must be something to it. So we put a bit of time and attention to it, and you know that's it. So after all of that effort, it was. Easy is the wrong word, but when you when you get yourself into a situation that's good, good things happen, you know. And it's always about working with good people, you know. Um, and I and I am working with the best in the business, absolutely the best in the business, you know. And that's as simple as that. We like Ross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ross is be like be like Ross. Yeah, be, be like Ross, everybody. Be like Ross. Be yeah, like yeah. Ross. Yeah. So so yeah. So it was it's been a long one. Well, I mean, what a, as you <clears throat> excuse me, as you described there, I mean, what a roller coaster journey to to, to get to, to where you are now. Can you describe? Obviously, the the sense of relief it must have been to sort of found somebody like Ross and to find that that support in your career. But then, sort of, you know, you, you obviously officially joined the British Touring Car Championship in 2019 full time. You know, when you sign on the dotted line, that must have been an immense feeling. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, yeah, I mean, it's kind of. I think it's important to point out that you know it's not once you find your 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 um, person or your the guy that's prepared to take a risk or whatever that is, it's still not easy. You know, we we still have very 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 clear, and we have all the way through very clear targets and strategies within Cataclean. And you know, the deal is, if you want to keep racing, you've got to sell more Cataclean. It's as simple as that. You know, mm. so it's it's which is fair. You know, it's fine, isn't it? You know, it's we're not we're not there. We're not doing it for you know you you would never come into this without a business strategy because you know the old adage of to become a millionaire in motorsport you need to be a multimillionaire at the start do you know what i mean so it's kind of yeah. it's unless you've got a business strategy so i was just i was just in the right place at the right time cataclean as a as a product had been around for 20 odd years at that time and we need to take it to the next level which we're doing you know as we speak now there's a lot there's a lot going on they're doing other stuff as well now they're doing bsb this year as well with, with joe on a more um, serious level. And they're also um, a, a partner of the BSB Championship itself. So but there's been a strategy all the way through to grow this with them um, and to utilise that investment. So when I go back to your question, when I signed on the dotted line, it was a massive, massive relief. But also I thought, right, now the pressure's on. <laughs> Do, you know yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because because obviously I've got to this point and I want to go further and higher and I want to keep growing, but I need to continue to sell more products. So, it's it, yeah, it, you know, it was it was um, the feeling was that the relief was massive. Yeah, I bet, I bet. I mean, it, and as as we have said, it is a roller coaster. Um, but your roller coaster hadn't quite finished. So no. you, you, you 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 get to British touring cars, everything's great, you do really well, and then the whole world decides to go into a global pandemic, and yeah. um, and and you have to take effectively the year off. Uh, that after working so hard to get there, that must have been a pretty devastating blow. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, yes, twenty nineteen was disappointing. If I'm honest with you, because um, we we didn't have the results that I felt that we deserved. 
there was a lot of bad luck, if I'm honest with you. We had a lot of bad luck and there were a lot of lot of silly things that broke on the car or got turned into the rear quarter and that broke or, you know, so it w- the results weren't really representative of the effort. Uh, and 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 I think we, we deserve better than 19. But nevertheless, for me, it was on paper the worst race season I've ever had since I was eight years old. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it was that crap. It was horrendous. Um, and obviously that put a lot of pressure on me from, from a Cataclean perspective because, you know, I've told them that I am the mutts nuts, et cetera. And, uh, and they're looking at me going, you know, best finish all year has been 14th. What, what, what are you doing? You know, what's going on here? And I'm like, well, it's not me. It's not me, you know? So we roll into 2020. Um, winter testing was better. You know, we, we were, it was better, um, but still not really where I wanted to be. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it, it is what it is. Obviously, COVID hit, season got delayed. Um, and I could tell that, you know, fairly early on, Cataclean a very honourable bunch of people. So when they had to furlough people, I could tell that they were concerned that we're going to spend all this money going motor racing, but we've got people on furlough. A, we feel that's taking the mick out of the UK government, you know, in one respect, because if you've got the budget to go marketing to this extent, then you should be able to pay your staff, which I think is, you know, arguable. And, and I think just morally, they didn't feel that it was right. So, you know, I went up to see them and I just said, look, ultimately, this is this is where we're at. Um, if you want, if you don't want to do this, don't do it for me, because you know it, 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 I need to deliver this year for you. Otherwise, we're not going to sell any more bottles, and the journey might be over. I don't want it to be over. I think there's a lot more work to do for Cataclean in BTCC and possibly beyond. So, if you're not comfortable, we won't do it. Um, and they, you know, they they. I could tell probably that they were, that's what they wanted to do. And they, you know, they got back to me pretty quickly. And they're like, yeah, I think you're right. We don't, you know, and, and I said, look, I don't see how we could increase sales in a year where people aren't going to be using their cars for one. So why, you know, why, you, and the MOT seasons, as we know, got completely changed around, you know? Yeah. So Cataclean is typically it's, um, it's seen as a, an MOT product. It isn't, you know, it's a, it's an all round fuel system cleaner. You know, people should use it all the time really just to keep the engines clean, but people use it as a bit of a rescue meat product. So, that's a good good sales time for us. Um, so it's it was going to be difficult. So we took the decision. I'll be honest, when I drove home from that meeting, I was a bit, I've just made the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. You know, I've got to where I wanted to get to and I've kind of talked myself out of it. Mm. Um, but, you know, for the first month in August, I didn't bother watching any race. I wasn't interested. And I flicked the TV on, I think, at the very, very end of August, which was Knockhill, like round four last year, 2020. Um, and I thought, right, we need to find a, you know, we need to find a route back. Um, picked up the phone to Matt um, and said, look, I've heard a bit of a rumour that you're you're considering not racing next year. How true is that? And he said, well, it's not true, but it's not not true. Come and talk to me. <laughs> so, um, so we did and we did and that was it. So, you know, it was, it was the, the opportunity for me to race for Team Dynamics for one was obviously huge. Um, first of all, they're only, I'm quite a lazy person inherently. So they're only right. like, eight miles from a front door perfect jobs are good and you know so i can be there as much or as little as i want and it takes me 15 20 minutes so that's great um secondly you know the just the prestige of being with with team dynamics is huge yeah um it's a fantastic place for cataclean and myself you know for 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 them as a brand and for them as an automotive product 
you know, if you look at the names in history that have been with that just that team, they're been pretty prestigious brands and names that are all automotive based. Matt's got a fantastic um, contact book, Little Black Book, because of his, you know, Rimstock former family business. Um, so all the stars aligned. And then obviously the, the, the ice on top of the cake is the opportunity to work closely with Halfords. Um, yeah. You know, Halfords are Cataclean's biggest retail partner. They have been for five or six years, but not really had a direct relationship. So in order to get a closer and just to be able to bring them all together was just, you know, was just too good to turn down. Really. It's so, amazing. Yeah. I mean, what, what an incredible journey um, and, and the destination, the, the stars have all just aligned, haven't they? I mean, with, with Cataclean, Team Dynamics, Halfords, um, yeah. Matt Neal, I mean, what an absolute result and, and just shows that you don't have to be an arsehole to get ahead in business. You know, you, you've, you've taken the decision in 2020 to say to Cataclean, look, this is going to be a waste of time forget it, you know, let's, let's go our separate ways. And then a year later, here you are with them back on board, um, taking the best race seat probably of your career to date with, um, I guess, you know, oh, you've already won the Jack Sears trophy, but I suppose this time you're looking to the, to the overall championship. Yeah. I mean, I've got no interest in anything else to be honest with you. You know, um, I mean, Jack Sears last year, you know, it was fantastic to win it, but I, I did feel deep down, if I'm honest with you, that it was only a formality because had I not won it in that car, I just I don't deserve to be on the grid. Do you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not trying to be yeah, you know yeah. I'm not trying to be down. I'm not trying to downtrade anyone else that was in the Jack Sears Championship. Everyone drove really well and everyone deserves their place in it. But for me, you know, knowing what I believe of myself to be sat in that car with the people around me that I had, if I hadn't won it, then I didn't deserve the seat. And and that was the way I looked at it. So it was great to win it. Very proud to have won it and to win it the way that we did. You know, we we dominated it, so that was great. Um, but yeah, I'm only interested in winning the outright driver championship now. I don't care about anything else. There's no other reason to be in the championship for me other than to sell products. So my personal aim, as long as we're selling products, I'm not interested in race wins. I just want to win the championship. So, you know, if we have to win one race a year and finish sixth in every other one, I don't really care. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that's that's my mentality. So there yeah. should be more that's racing it. drivers uh, with your mindset and mentality yeah. in the sport, uh, Daniel, for sure. I mean, the way you go about things is is incredible. Um, that's the plan and the site set for this season. Long term, yeah. is there anything further beyond well, or just enjoying the moment? Uh, you know, I love the BTCC. You know, it's got such great history. Got such great names like Matt and JP and Cleland and Reed and Soper and I'm not going to name them all. We know who they are, you know, Ricard Rydell and, and there's so many amazing Tim Harvey, you know, amazing people. That if I don't go anywhere else, I'll be quite happy. You know, um, for me, the BTCC is a business tool, so we need to be able to continue to sell Cataclean in large numbers than the year before. We have to. If, if it gets to a point where the championship doesn't give us that opportunity, then it's no longer an opportunity because for me, it's a bit, you know, it's a business tool. I don't think it'll ever be that. I think, I think our, the demographics of the championship, it's perfect. You know, the the, the fan base is fantastic. The people that support it are, are unbelievable. A little bit weird, but they're <laughs> unbelievable. You know, um, I mean, they're fantastic. They're fantastic. The fan base race, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a great thing. I would personally like to go and do some V8 supercar personally. Ooh, wow. Um, or supercars as it's now known. Yeah. So um, if there was an opportunity to go and do, to sit, I mean, I, I don't even, the problem is it's so specialist. It's like BTCC, you know, I think if you took the top boys out of supercars and brought them over here, I don't think they'd be any quicker or slower than, 
than the top boys in BTCC and probably vice versa. You know, I think it's probably very trick, very hard. Um, so, yeah, personally, I'd like to go and have a go at that. I'd also like to go and do some stock cars in the US, maybe. Um, a bit of NASCAR. Um, probably starting off on the circuits. I'm not sure I want to go and do ovals. That looks a bit silly. But then, having said that, you've got to put your big boy pants on, haven't you? So, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to do it. I'd like to do it. Um, but it's just whether, you know, it's just, it's just time. You know, I'm, I'm sort of early 30s now. Um, if I could stretch a career out that, that works in a car until I'm early 40s, that would be great. I've got no... I'm a bit odd as a motorsport person, really. I've got no interest in motor racing unless I'm racing, you know? So people often go, oh, do you want to go and watch this? No, absolutely not. I'd rather be at home with my Labrador and my wife and my baby. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of... I know I it sounds, like it sounds yeah. awful. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it sounds awful, but I'm just... I'm not really... Um, I'm not a fan. I just... I, I want to do it because I love it. Yeah. For me, not, not for, you know, not for anything else. So I'm... I'm quite, I'm quite happy. If BTCC is all there is, I'm very, very happy with that. That would be fantastic. So that's good um, stuff. But obviously, it's, it's, it's yeah. funny. You're, you're, you're a different character to 99% of the people that we've had on this show. We've had all sorts. We've had former world champions of Formula One. We've had Andretti, Rosberg, Weber. We've had, we've had yeah. uh, Tom Chilton, other British touring car drivers. You've got a, a different mindset to everyone else. It's weird. Like it's, it is an unusual mindset, but I really like it. I mean, what an honourable way to uh, to have reached the top of the sport. It's, um, as Harry said, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, now, outside of racing, what mm-hmm. are you good at? Is there anything else? If you take you out of a car, <laughs> what can you do? Uh, not much. <laughs> um, no, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm... I'm quite good on two wheels. I'm all right. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go racing on two wheels, but I'd I'd have a go. You know, I wouldn't go competitive. I'd just go and do a bit of fun. I do a little bit of trials bike riding. Nice. Again, I'd smash my t- chin to bits if I did it properly. But I, you know, as in my mind, I'm um, I'm definitely as good as uh, as good as the best. But I'm, I'm obviously not. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I can. I'll throw my hand at anything. You know. Um, yeah, so probably cycling. I do. I do quite a lot of mountain biking and bits and pieces. I'm quite good at that. Um, in 2020, during lockdown, we extended. We, we did everything wrong, by the way. We extended our house at the end of 20, or tried to start extending the house at 20, end of 2019. Obviously, 2020 happened. Couldn't get any materials. Couldn't get any staff. Couldn't get any labour. So I did roof my own Fair play. roof. So I'm, I'm a bit of a part-time roofer. Fair play. Cut well, through I, I, my I, I, uh, oh Jesus. tendons on my thumb. Yeah, doing so. Oh. So that was a bad day. So I'm not overly talented as a roofer, but I can do it if I have to. Well, you can come and do but, mine. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm putting a. We've just done an extension. We're doing the roof as we speak. So feel free. You know, if you uh, want to be paid yeah. in, um, I don't a, know, Cataclean or something, I'll. Uh, you can come and do our roof. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a horrific job. <laughs> if I'm honest, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'll throw my hand at anything, but I'm not really a jack of all trades. Just a master of one, maybe. So that's it. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say then what you actually crap at, but then I suppose it's uh, pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much all of it. Yeah, I'm pretty much shit at everything else. Um, yeah, no, it, it's. I think I'm pretty balanced. Like, I think I could, you know, I can. I could turn up and have a go at something, and I'll be all right. But um, I've never really put the effort or the time into anything else to be good. So who knows? Now, before we come on to our final three questions, um, uh, are you looking forward to the most important race of your season, the Motormouth uh, Charity Karting Cup in March? Very much. Yeah. Very, Second, very much. So. You, the return. Very much. The return. Um, yeah, well, last time the engine fell off 
So oh, bit, um, oh no! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I, yeah, the engine fell off. So that wasn't so good. Oh well, that's rubbish. <laughs> well, they've got they've got brand new carts for 2022. So um, no, they're they're, they're, yeah, they're different Very ones. They're, the last time we had soda Very. carts, and the, these are different. I can't remember what they're called, but they're they're slightly different, a tiny bit quicker, um, but brand mm-hmm. spanking new. So um, it should be nice. a lot of fun. And I'm already um, envisaging the Cataclean um, Motormouth Charity Carting Cart, but brought to you by Daniel. Robottom. So um, there, there, needs to be, there needs to be a conversation here. Um, Harry, do you want to do the honours with the final three, get things going? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's now time for our final three questions, which we ask to all of our guests, and they are brought to you by our partners at F1 Experiences. And they are brought to you by our partners at Roading Cars. Tim, do you want to kick off with the first one? Sure thing. Uh, Daniel, what has got you excited at this very moment? This very moment, probably the thoughts and breakfast right now. Mm. Um, that's probably what I'm most excited about. That's a late so, breakfast. Yeah. It's te- You've not te- had anything te- yet. Te- yeah, no, I'm, I'm a bit of a weird eater. So there you go. He, he rolled out of bed no, at night, seriously, and logged on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is all this is all set up last night, so I could literally roll roll out of bed. Now, listen, this dude doesn't take. It's not the work of a moment. This. Oh, no, no, that's that got some. Least, that's some artwork going into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Product. Product. There's product in there. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, what is your favourite race destination for any reason? Um, Brands Hatch GP. It's just epic. Straight away. Yeah. Absolutely epic. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to argue with that one. Um, Our final question for you, and uh, I'll bring in the uh, X Files music for this one. Um, What are you scared of? Oh, my goodness. Spiders. Yeah. Massively, massively, massively scared of spiders. Small ones, big ones, any sort of spiders, really. So there's actually, going back to Discord, there's an Aussie in our Discord racing group who um, I asked a question the other day. Has he been bit on the ass by a black widow spider? He's like, nah, mate, but you don't want to. I was like, yeah, that's the end of the, that's the end of that. So yeah, he's yeah. told me some horrendous stories about what are those big things have in Australia? The big, big, big spider. What are they? Called? No. Um, oh. Oh, Horse. Oh no, is it the the sand ones? No, it, I can't remember. It's got some weird net. Anyway, he said, like, you can wake up in the summer and outside of your bedroom window is just plastered in these disgusting, motherfucking, horrible yeah. things. Oh, so, that, oh, yeah, yeah oh. it's not for me. No. That's my, yeah, massively fear, fearful of that shit. Yeah. Don't like it. Everything in Australia wants to kill you, basically. Yeah, well, this is the problem. That's, so that might be the reason why I don't race supercars, yeah. amongst many other things. But when I think about it, Probably not a good destination. God, yeah, imagine something. going around and then suddenly you look to your right and there's a spider in, in, uh, the size coming at you from the dash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. I'd, literally, I, I'd just get out. I'd abort immediately. Bail, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finished. You're on a qualifying lap. Don't give a fuck. I'm getting out of this. Oh, no, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, well listen Daniel thanks so much for joining us uh, on the show it's been a pleasure talking to you and hearing your story which is absolutely bonkers and um, I think it's probably one worth any young carters out there and young racing drivers we're going to have to um, get this out there into their their ears because there's a a lot of great advice and great thoughts there so 
Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you in March at the kart race. But for now, Daniel Rowbottom, thanks for joining us on the Motormouth Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Before you go, one final reminder to check out Rodin Cars. Forget a one-off experience. With Rodin and the Rodin FZ, you can become and live the life of an elite performance driver. With your very own Rodin FZ, you'll be able to drive a truly remarkable supercar. Hunt down lap time and search for ultimate performance. A solo cockpit, but never alone. With Rodin's incredible after-sale partnership, you'll be looked after on and off track with an official Formula Racing team running and maintaining your vehicle. And as an exclusive owner of a Rodin car, you'll get exclusive access to their circuit in New Zealand. So what are you waiting for? To find out how you can own the F1 lifestyle, find the perfect racing line, enjoy the thrill of a roaring engine and experience the purity of driving, visit rodin-cars.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too. So make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumours quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.